Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Okay. I want to kind of stay on the same theme as I spoke of last week on prayer. Today, though, I wanted just to highlight an area of Elijah's life as, as a man that had extraordinary faith as he prayed. And so let's, let's look at uh, James 5.17 real quick. Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like all of us, but he prayed and received supernatural answers. This is so important, church, because James is framing this understanding in such a way to let us know that a man that prayed in such powerful ways where fire came down from heaven, many miracles took place, stopped the rain for three and a half years, at, and then when he spoke the word, it started raining again. And in that, God answered his prayers in such a way that it was so incredible. But James is saying, he's just like you. And that's important to remember. Human frailties and weaknesses. And we all have those. But as we couple our prayers with faith, we can see extraordinary supernatural things come and change the very atmosphere and the very circumstances that we're going through. And it says that he actually shut the heavens over the land so there was be no rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the skies opened up over the land so that the rain came again and produced the harvest. So let's look at this story in 1 Kings 17, verses 1 through 7. 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah... The Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook of Cherith, which is the east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. What a life. Come on. Living by the brook, drinking out of the brook, and having ravens in the morning. Can you imagine that? Bringing bread. Well, this raven's got a loaf of bread. That one's got a, a steak, a T-bone steak. You know, I mean, and they're bringing them bread and meat in the morning and in the evening time. And he's there by the brook drinking probably some nice crystal clean water. And it happened, though, after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. What I want to focus on, just highlight here, and then we're going to get back into the story. Verse 5 says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He was obedient to the word of the Lord and what was spoken over his life, which meant that he was adhering to, listening to, and responding to 
what God wanted for his life and not what he wanted. So I want to just highlight five things right now, just real quickly. Five things that can actually, though, hinder our prayers. And, you know, it, it's, we all, we're reading about all these wonderful things that could take place, extraordinary power, change the atmosphere, um, shift things uh, in the natural realm. But what we also got to understand is that we can stand here praying, but actually shoot ourselves in the foot because there's some things going on that we're not realizing that can actually hinder our prayers. Who wants to have their prayers hindered? No one. It would just be ludicrous to think of that. We all want to see our, our, our prayers answered. But have you ever thought that maybe some of the things that I've been praying about that I've not been seeing answers for are because there's some hindrances in my life? It's something you really have to evaluate. You have to look at. Because none of us wants to not hit the mark. But I just want to highlight five real quick. Proverbs 28.9 says this. If you close your heart and refuse to listen to God's instruction, God's word, even your prayer will be despised. Ignoring what God's word says and not adhering to it, not listening to it, not allowing it to instruct you, Ignoring the importance of what he has said, God says, your prayers will be despised. You know, the scripture says in 1 John that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When we reject and we're not listening to the commands of Jesus, we are basically rejecting him. You're not rejecting, it's not the words on the page, you're rejecting a person. A person that loves you, died for you. In John 15, it says, he said, if you love me, what? Obey my commands. Listen to what I said. What I say over your life. Remember, let's go back to what happened there with, um, with Elijah. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Now, did it make sense for him to go and spend three and a half years on a riverbank, drinking from the water and eating from the mouth of ravens? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But there's times in which God gives us clear instructions, says things to us that don't make sense. But are we going to obey? Are we going to obey his word? Are we going to obey our own flesh and how we feel? But the choice is ours. Another hindrance, loving sin. Yet if I had closed my eyes to my sin, this is Proverbs 66, verse 18. If I had closed my eyes to my sin, the Lord God would have closed his ears to my prayer. Your prayers won't be heard if you are cherishing iniquity in your heart. If you're cherishing iniquity and sin in your heart and you're, you're turning your eye away from saying, I'm not going to look at that because I like it. And you're letting it stay within you. Now, I'm not talking about a believer who's 
struggling with reoccurring sin, but you are consistently humbling yourself before God and you're saying, God, please forgive me. Have mercy on me. Break, break forth in my life and, and bring victory in this area. I'm talking about the one who willfully chooses to let it stay because they enjoy it. That could be a hindrance to your prayers. Desiring wrongly. James 4.23, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you, it may be spent on your pleasures. So desiring wrongly with wrong motives can actually be a hindrance to prayer because your prayer is focused on you, fulfilling your pleasures and your desires. It's all about moi. But in that, God is saying, if your prayers are focused on, on me advancing my kingdom, seeing Jesus glorified, I will add unto you all those things that you need. But desiring wrongly for fleshly pleasures is another hindrance to your prayer. Number four, doubting God. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For the man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. So doubting what God has said over your life and believing, hey, God, that can't, that can't happen. There's just no way. You, I, I can't see any way of good coming out of this situation. Doubting him, doubting actually his love, his provision, his patience, his goodness and graciousness over your lives can impede um, your prayers. And lastly, the fifth one, and then we're going to get back into the story, is marital conflict. 1 Peter 3.7 says this, You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So men, in that time, women were, were not, they didn't have the same rights as men. And they needed protection. They needed someone to take care of them and love them as heirs of the grace of life. And it's so important that we honor our wives and love them and cherish them with all of our hearts. Scripture says to a child, honor your mother and father with a promise. And what is the promise? So that things might go well for you. Long life and things go well for you. And so in that, what we're seeing here is if even a husband is choosing not to honor and respect his wife, God is saying, your prayers are going to be hindered because I so value and cherish your wife as one who is part of the grace of life that I want you to love her as I would because I laid down my life for the church. I gave my all for her, the church. So we have five things here. 
that can actually hinder one's prayer. And it's important that we're mindful of these things because if we're going in, giving it our all, but we got things in our back pocket that we don't realize, we got to think about these things. I mean, spending 30 days, 40 days of fasting and praying, realizing you've just wasted 40 days if things are being hindered. So it's important to remember these things. So the first one is this. Ignoring God's word, Proverbs 28, 9. Number two is loving sin more than obedience, Psalm 66, 18. Number three, desiring wrongly, James 4, 2 through 3. And number four, doubting God, James 1, 5 through 7. And fifth, marital conflict, 1 Peter 3, 7. Okay, let's go back into the story. 1 Kings 17, 8. And then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. And behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a drink, uh, a little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, uh, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand as well, thinking, God has said she's going to provide for me. So please bring me some bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And then Elijah said to her, do not fear, go. Do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and then bring it out to me. And afterward, you may ask, you may, you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So he went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the word of the Lord over your life comes at the last minute? Really, a lot of times it's at the last hour, the 11th hour is when all of a sudden God's word comes through for you. Well, that's what happened to Elijah. At the very last Finally, the brook, the brook dries up, and he says, go to Jerephath. And I've commanded a widow in that place to supply with you the food. And I'm sure there was an element of relief. You know, I mean, think about it. Three and a half years on this side, this one brook, which, you know, I'm sure it was a pretty brook. But ravens are not, you know, very, you don't get a lot of, like, you know, relationship there with ravens. You know, it's kind of like, oh, the ravens are here again. So, I'm sure, you know, he was probably excited about having a little bit of a change in his life. Okay? Let's just be real. So in that, all of a sudden, you know, he thought, um, I'm going into Zarephath, and I'm sure this lady's going to be really excited about seeing me. You know, I mean, 
She's cooking a meal. She's going to provide for a prophet. He probably thought, you know, I can smell the biscuits in the oven. They're just, they're coming. I can smell them. But when he arrives to Zarephath, he meets the widow at the gate who's gathering sticks. And he said, excuse me, bring me, can you bring me a little water? Maybe a little bread also? But the widow suddenly responded by saying, oh, so, so you're the prophet. And, uh, you know, she didn't give him a warm hug. She didn't honor him. She didn't wash his feet. She didn't do anything. It was like, well, what's this all about? Didn't you get the memo? God said, you're going to provide for me. You're going to take care of me. It's like she didn't read it. And then all of a sudden, she said, uh, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to make, you know, so I can go home and prepare for me and my son so we can die. He's like, I, I bet you don't have much food in your cupboard, do you? How are you going to provide for me? How are you going to take care of me? And he's probably thinking, you know, this is not the welcome I was really expecting. So he got kind of a cool reception. You know, the woman looks impoverished and ready to die. And add to the situation that she's not a believer in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because she says, for the God that you serve. So she's not even aware of who Yahweh is. She's not got any food in the cupboard. And, uh, so how did Elijah react? Lord, I, he could have said, you know, I, I thought you commanded this woman to provide for me, to feed for me, to take care of me. You know, but for some reason, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, you know, she doesn't have any food. And she's not really excited about me being here. And she doesn't really seem as though... Um, she's the real good candidate to uh, do what you said. So in that, he's looking at this situation and things are not adding up. He probably could have said, you know what? This is over for me. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to get a breakthrough here. Have you ever realized that most of the time, things that we pray about uh, press into the things that we are concerned with do not work out the way that we imagined. Most of the things that are, are the blessings of God do not come in the way that is in the package that we are really used to understand or that we're even uh, accustomed to. But I'm telling you, he kept his eyes and his faith on the word that God said and not on his circumstances. And it's so important. I mean, to me, this is extraordinary faith. This is the level of faith of, of him calling down fire and, and, and taking up the offering and licking up the water. I mean, this is just as supernatural as, as holding the rain back for three and a half years with his word. When you can stand in faith when your circumstances do not give you any indication that God is going to come through and bring forth the promise in your life. It's whether you're going to stand in faith and believe God, even though the circumstances do not add up. 
And this is the kind of faith that God is wanting us to rise up with and have and believe because I would venture to say that there is things that he has spoken to you about in his word, promises that he's spoken to you uh, through his still small voice that have not yet materialized in your own personal life. And you're looking at your circumstances and you're thinking, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. You have an opportunity. You're not going to fall into doubt. You're not going to fall into fear. You're not going to fall into sin. You're going to do everything you can to respond like Elijah, which was remarkable. He stood on the word of God, and had pro- which had been promised that this widow would provide for him, although the situation was outwardly bleak. He still believed he was on course. You know, there's times in which you think, you know what, am I on the right path right now? Am I really going in the right direction? But what sustained, what sustained him on the path was having faith that he knew that God had said. He said the word. And when God says something to you in his word, in the promises, you can take it to the bank. It might not manifest exactly at the time that you would like, but you can be reassured that you're still on course and God is going to be faithful. You know, a lot of times we we think, well, you know, God, you said this, and but now I, I don't understand why this is going on. You know, Moses probably could have thought the same way. He said, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But when Moses tried to get the people out, he was not met with uh, enthusiasm, but with much opposition that came against him. And God had told Moses that Pharaoh would resist him for a while. It would just be for a while. He assumed that, well, when Pharaoh saw some of the miracles of the the frogs, maybe the river turning to blood, maybe the lice, he'll get his attention, then he'll release everybody. His heart only got more harder. So at this time, he said, he began to protest, actually, Moses. And he said, oh, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. Do you feel kind of like that sometimes in your situations? You know, God, you said this, but this situation is not changing. It's only getting worse. Having extraordinary faith in your prayer life is being able to stand on what God has said over your life in the promises and believe in his word, even though naturally things are not changing. You're walking by faith and not by sight. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. God moves when you can stand firm. You know, I, I was actually very encouraged. You know, um, 
this whole situation with Eliza, you know, it was a real heartbreak. I mean, I, I about started crying this morning when I when she texted me and said, well, I didn't finish the race. I just blew out my ankle. And, um, and she said this. She says, one thing I can confidently say is that I did the hard part and I trained well. I'm glad I changed my goal from finishing to knowing I did the work to come fully prepared. I said last night, a thousand things could happen that I could do nothing about, but I felt great about stewarding what I could do really well. This is where I'm standing. Well, not standing physically, but in my thoughts and my heart. She's still standing. Yeah. <laughs> so some of you didn't hear that. Bob Mumford said, God always catches you three inches from the floor. And that is very true. Very true. But when you stand in faith, what happens is this, is that the prophetic gift begins to flow in you. It begins to flow when you stand against adversity. All of a sudden, Elijah, as he stood, he said, okay, whoo, this situation is not looking good. She's looking impoverished. Her child's about ready to die. No flour, hardly any oil. All of this situation, he says, but as he stood in faith, the anointing of the prophetic gifting began to flow through him. And then he prophesied and said, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not dry up until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Boom. He releases the word of the Lord. And then that's when things begin to happen in this situation. And Elijah's faith began to even uh, release faith into this woman. And she provided for him until rain came, just as God had said. But we must have faith to see that God is committed to doing what he has promised. I have some things God has spoken to me about in my life personally and in this church, and it's not yet materialized. But the more time goes by, the more I can see it. Because I'm not going to, I'm choosing to not walk by the natural, but I'm going to walk by faith into the supernatural. It becomes more real and real to me as I stand keeping on believing. I do believe that we're on the precipice of a breakthrough. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. And I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it. But I believe that God wants to release a breakthrough in your own personal life. I believe he wants to, to do things you never thought possible in your, own, in your own personal life. But as we stand, even though, like Eliza, Eliza said, I might not be standing physically, but in my heart, I'm believing big. And I want us to stand firm and believe that even in this season of time, that even though things might have not looked, well, bleak in the natural, it's getting ready to fire up.
church, I believe we are, as I said in the beginning of my sermon, I believe with all of my heart, we are in the early stage, the formative stages, formation of what it's going to look like to have a full-blown revival in our country. We are in the early formation stages of seeing one of the greatest moves that the world has ever seen. And I want to be a part of it, don't you? I mean, I've been longing for what has been prophesied of this end-time revival in which a billion souls are going to come into the kingdom. Now, that's a lot of people, right? I mean, Jesus wants his reward. He came that all might be saved. He came that all might hear the good news. He came to seek and save the lost. No man should should perish. Hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil and his demons. God is getting ready to move in church. I so much want to stand on his word and see one of the greatest revivals this world has ever seen. So let's have extraordinary faith. Let's just begin to believe big. That if God said it, he's going to do it. And we can take it to the bank. So let's stand. Father, I thank you and I praise you that, Lord, you are wanting us to walk in supernatural faith. And, Father, one of the apostolic prayers is that that you would strengthen us with might through your Spirit into our inner man that Christ may dwell in our heart through faith. Let faith come alive in our hearts, God. Strengthen us, Holy Spirit, that the word would come alive in our hearts and we would believe big that the greatest days are ahead, that we might be rooted and grounded in the love of God, And that we would come to know with all the saints, the height, the breadth, the width, and the length of the love of God. I pray, Lord, that we would experientially come into a realm of knowing and understanding the love of the Father. Lord, I'm praying now that we as a church would get in gear, in faith, and begin to believe in your word. God, I thank you and praise you. Your word says that that the flower may wither and the grass may fade, but Lord, your word stands forever. Throughout eternity, your word will stand forever. So Lord, let it be done unto me according to your word. Have your way in us, God. And use us in these days. God, we only want to do what we see you doing. And it's on your heart right now, Lord. That many be saved. That the harvest come in. So, Lord, we're asking that you would use us in these days. 
that we might see an end-time revival. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you're going to do in and through this church. I ask Holy Spirit for your anointing just to rest upon your people right now. Holy Spirit of God, I ask that revival fire would fall upon your people. Revive us, God, once again. Revive us as a church to enter into the glorious things you have. I'm asking, Lord, for those hearts here that have have grown cold would be awakened by revival fire. Have your way, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, if you if you need some prayer, if your heart just wants to have more of God and really be filled with the fire of God, I I, I just feel like God wants there to be an impartation through His Spirit for you to be awakened in your heart. I I my sense some of you have grown asleep. It's a it's a slumbering spirit. He wants to awaken your heart. Awaken your heart that you might be able to engage with him at this moment so you can ride with him. Come, let us ride with him. So if you need some prayer, if you just need the Lord just to um, put the fire of God in your heart to awaken you, I want you just to come up and get some prayer. Yes, some of the prayer team, come on up. Father, I thank you and I praise you now, Lord. I'm asking that you put a salt tablet in every mouth in this room and that we would thirst for you. We would thirst for the living God. As a pant, as a deer pants for the water brook, so our soul pants for you, O God. And I'm asking, Lord God, that we would be awakened this day to you. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, I want you to come up.